You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Guardian. Guardian. Welcome to episode 47 of In Orbit, Mash Those Buttons podcast dedicated to Destiny and its community. Wherever you are and whenever you're listening, we thank you as always for making us a part of your Destiny experience. My name is Jorge. My name is David. And I'm Jordan. And on today's show, we're going to be looking back at the year that was 2016 we're going to be looking at the St. Jude Children's Hospital uh, donations that are happening again. And Destiny Goes Funko Pop. But make sure you guys are checking the other podcasts available here on the Mash Those Buttons Network at www.mashthosebuttons.com. Get involved with the show by saying, sending us questions at inorbitpodcasts at gmail.com. Let's go right into it. The Destiny community awes again with a $15,000 donation for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. The Sparrow Racing League, or in this case, the Streamer Racing League, was set up by uh, Gathalian, Professor Broman, and I'm probably mispronouncing because I don't watch too many of the streamers, Chariona. And this was one of the events leading up to Guardian Con, where they hope to raise $1 million for St. Jude. Uh, streamer and YouTuber Chad Lantis ended up winning the event comfortably and only missed two total gates in the entire event. He was winning by like a minute. It was ridiculous. And and I actually saw a little bit of it. It was cool to see My Name is Bife over there. Um, it was cool to see all the different uh, donations going on. The goal was originally 10000 and they beat that by 5000 it, it was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, massive shout out to the community. For starting off the year right, uh, the year for uh, getting that one million dollar goal for St. Jude, it's it's really really impressive to see this community um, being able to, to generate so much money for uh, even in a game that is kind of I don't want to say dead because that's not really the word, but the game is kind of eh. it's at a standstill. Right? Yeah. So massive shout out to the community. Uh, the other big news that happened this week, because there's not much going on, is that there's going to be official Destiny Funko Pop figures, and they're coming alongside Sonic, Tekken, Dragon Age, Sister Location, not sure what that is, Street Fighter, Mega Man, Overwatch, and er various retro game figures. I want Saladin's Wolves. If they do that, I'll be super happy. I just want a whole set of Saladin's Wolves. I don't need anything else. I could have a Cade, but I want the Wolves. That's all I want. I wonder if they're going to sell them as a whole set. 
The the way they do it is they have sets and then they have regular ones. I collect mm-hmm. all the Star Wars ones, so I'll be adding to my collection with Destiny. Oh my god! I have the uh, I have the Christmas Baby Groot. I don't know if you've guys seen that one, but that I have that not pretty, seen that one. That thing's pretty cute. Yeah, we saw that on the mall. I'm not really a Funko Pop guy. I know a friend that collects them all. We saw that in the mall, though, me and my wife, and we were just like sold. Yeah. I- so. Ex- Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I'm I'm wondering how many they'll make because realistically with Destiny, you could have hundreds upon hundreds just because you could have all different outfits for Warlocks, Titans, and Hunters. But Well, it's I, sort of like what they... It's probably going to be what they did with the... Uh, what's the toys they used? The Mega Blocks? They just sort of chose like a iconic style outfit for each character. Probably be something like that. Or they may be focusing on the main characters themselves. Dude, that like, way you don't have to worry about you know, different characters. You got Ikora, you got Sa- uh, Saladin, um, Zavala, Cade, you know, the big characters. The speaker. Or even the speaker. A ghost. Zer. Zer. <laughs> I'm definitely going to buy a, fu- I, I, I'm going to buy a, a Zer. If Zer comes out, I'm buying him. I, I I could see them doing one on based on the bosses as well, like Crota, Oryx, um, Atheon, Scolus, like those, it just makes sense. And then, I mean, I I'd buy them all. You know, I have a love hate relationship with the, with the Funkos. Well, it's not really hate; it's just more of I don't get it. They're kind of cool, and I got two as gifts, but I never understood the whole fascination of them. Because they're cool, man. I collect them to collect them because. They sit on the, so like, um, let me just grab this for a second. In my room, I've got this corner desk, basically. It takes up like one corner of my room, slides across the wall to the other. And the corner area is full of my Star Wars run ones. Right now, I have like 90 something and I'm on my way to the full collection, but they're awesome. 90? Yeah, yeah I have 90? like 90 wow. something. That's, that's yeah. pretty serious, man. I told you, I collect the Star Wars ones, man. I'm going for all of them. Yeah, we need to stage an intervention. <laughs> anyway. Yep, so that's coming up next year. They haven't given official dates, but my guess is they're probably going to release them around Destiny 2. It would just make sense. But what do I know? Build the hype. Exactly. So, David, go ahead and talk about Mash Those Buttons. Well, Mash Those Buttons is your ultimate resource for video game commentary, reaction, and involvement by a variety of opinionated and informed gamers who love gaming of all kinds. Covering a large swath of gaming, we cover the latest news and information on the games you care about and always provide unfiltered commentary and fun. Check out all the killer podcasts available today on Mash Those Buttons Network at www.mashthosebuttons.com. All right, and then this week, Trials of Osiris, The Anomaly. It's actually one of my favorite maps for Skirmish. What do you think of this map, David? I think we just had it like a month and a half ago during Spooky mm-hmm. Trials. And I don't know. It bugs me that we're back at it so fast. It's it's not a bad Trials map. It's a it's a pretty good Trials map because you can play it slow. You can play it fast. Um, it is very shotgun heavy, but you can snipe if you play it in certain ways, which is good. I mean, still, my opinion on Trials maps is if you can play it both ways, those are the better Trials maps. But... It just bugs me that we have it 
so fast again after having it the last time because we have all these maps and it looked like for a little bit there they were going to be trying out new maps and new things when they brought in first light but now we're right back to anomaly which is weird because we haven't had burning shrine again and everybody knows that's the map they like to play the most um yeah it's i don't know it's it's a good map it's just weird to me that it's back so soon before all these other maps that they play over and over and before new maps i'd be interested to see a trials of osiris on bastion I think it'd be fun. That that would be very interesting. And I know that most of the games would go up to the time limit. <laughs> I don't know, man. You could rush pretty hard using those cases cover. You could. I I, I just... It, it'd be interesting to see. As long as it's not Skyshock, that's the only map that I am not a huge fan of. I just... I don't like it. You're a sitting duck no matter what. And you can't really, I, I don't know. But any thoughts uh, over there, Jordan, with regards to Anomaly? Well, I'm more of a uh, distance player in the Crucible. Um, so Anomaly, it's it's either I'm hating it and I want to finish the match and get it over with, or I'm loving it. And it just depends on who I'm playing with and who I'm playing against. Uh, shotgunners love it but if you are really good with your sniper you can pick some good lanes and get the shotgunners down before they get too close so yeah sometimes i like it sometimes i hate it i don't know i guess i nothing it interesting all right so the big topic that we're going to be discussing here is we're going to take a look back at destiny in 2016 um we're one day away from christmas and I kind of wanted to take a look back and just discuss what happened in 2016. Um, this is going to lead up to what seems to be a massive episode that's going to be coming next week. Where we take a look at the game as a whole and what we like and don't like about it. And what we kind of want to see. And I'm, I'm going to get a whole bunch of opinions and thoughts on it. And I hope you guys tune in next week because it's going to be a lot of fun to go back and look at this game as a whole. And send and your questions. Really, yes, definitely send your questions because you guys are definitely going to become a part of that episode. It's going to be a very, very cool episode. But let's go ahead and take a look at Destiny back in 2016. Um, 2016 was a weird year for Destiny. It was the first year where there was not much, and then there's stuff, and then there's not much, and then there's stuff. Um, it all started with Crimson Days back in 2016, February 2016, where we had those god-awful roses. And I'm sorry, I'll never, never not talk about those damn roses. <laughs> D- Destiny uh, 10. Remember those roses back in uh, year two of Destiny? Anyway... <laughs> Uh, Crimson Days came, had a cool little, uh, doubles elimination event, which was actually really, really fun. It was a really fun, um, little experiment. Only problem was that the drop rates for items were so abysmally low. So at that time, everybody was trying to get ghosts because those were some of the hardest things to get. And it ended up being that you couldn't get a ghost at your appropriate level. This was before they made it so that 
if you were four or in this case 320 you would get 320 drops no you would get like a 317 ghost and you're just like well that doesn't help me out forever 319 you know what's funny (laughs) i actually got a chocolate my first chocolate ghost last night playing the crucible yeah i mean that that's really cool that they did bring those back because some of those ghosts were really really hard to get and i still don't have a crimson ghost so yeah during the crimson days event i wasn't able to get any of the sugary ghosts or the crimson ghosts i ended up getting one because bungie decided to give everybody one which is very nice of them yeah that's how i got mine actually i couldn't get them to drop but i really wanted the crimson ghost because it sparkles Whereas the chocolate ghost kind of just like looks like delicious. Um, sure, let's go with that. That's not the word I was going to use. I think everybody knows exactly where I was going to go with that. But anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the event was kind of marred by the by the drop rates. It, it was a cool event. the The Crimson Days was really really cool, but it highlighted stuff that Bungie does now. I mean, back then it was the start of it. And what I mean by that is it had that one quest, which wasn't really a quest. You do something and then you go back and he gives you uh, an emblem. It was just like, that's not really a quest. What was that all about? So it was fun for what it was, but it it, it was, it wasn't enough to tide us over. You remember what I'm talking about, right, David? You would just do, I, I forget what, it might have been one mission, and then you go back to Lord Saladin. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, Lord Shax. It was, it was really weird. I think it was like play, wasn't it play like two matches or something like that with the same person? I can't remember. It was just very, I just remember it, it was, we it was did one, one thing. step, though. It was literally one step. I think it speaks, yeah. to, I think it speaks to the whole experience that we can't remember at all. Yeah, no, it, it was tons of fun to play with people and like the way they did it, the mechanics was awesome. It was just the event itself wasn't good. And that this was kind of the turning point for these live events because they had SRL and everybody loved it. And then they had Crimson Days and this was the first real live event they put out that people really bashed. And I think that kind of marked the turning point for what we saw for the rest of the six, 2016 and what we see now as well. Right. The unfortunate thing is, like, we get a lot of these quests where you do one thing and then you get, like, an emblem and that's it. And we still get it to this day. I mean, the Abaddon and the oh Nova Mortis, for a second there, I almost forgot the name of the other machine gun. But you literally go kill 20 enemies with either solar or void and then you do a strike and then you get the machine gun. But these machine guns were designed by the person that did Thunderlord, and they're supposed to be these godlike machine guns, and there's all this story behind them. And yet, you do the very simple quest. I don't know. Just I I don't I don't understand why it, they don't go in more in depth with these quests. Like, I think I think part of it is honestly the fact that most of the. Uh, like background and in-depthness of the quest comes in the text every time you're going to select a part of the quest. 
and the person you're talking to doesn't say any of it, it's up to you to read it. But I guarantee you a lot of people just skip right through all that stuff. So they never learn about that these guns were created by the person who made Thunderlord and all that stuff. No, I get it. It's just it seems like the quests themselves are a little lacking. And I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just think that they, if they had people go, okay, go kill these types of enemies and pick up the pieces that they drop so that you can put together the Thunder or the Nova Mortis or the Abaddon so that you can create your own version. And then you go to a, a special mission on, I don't know, Skyshock and pick up pieces. Just, just it seems like simple things that they could have easily put together. Doesn't have to have voice acting or whatever. You just go do stuff and face a whole bunch of enemies. But I mean, I'm not the one making the game. I'm not a game maker. It just seems like there's stuff that they could do using in-game assets that wouldn't take them that long. Especially That's considering that the weapons are actually pretty good. You'd think that they would make it a, make them a little harder to get. Right. So, going back to the events that we had, uh, the next event that we had was the April update. That was the big substantial update that they gave you an additional 15 light points. So, you went from 320 to 335. And in my opinion, this was the event that literally changed the entire game in a good way and a bad way. Um, this was the event that they made it so you were more likely to get items at your level or above. Progressive loot. Exactly. And they made it so that you got a whole bunch of max light items from a whole bunch of activities. Um, strike activities had max light loot. You had the raid, which got bumped up. You had the exotic engrams. You had the challenge of elders. Uh, you Crucible just had a whole rewards. bunch of stuff. Crucible rewards, uh, Trials of Osiris. Everything had max light. And up until that point, the only way to get max light was to do the raid, King's Fall, and to do Trials of Osiris. Um, before that, there wasn't, there were, and obviously exotic engrams, but there weren't any other avenues to get to max light beyond those. So now you have all these different things to do, different activities, and in many ways it helped bring people forward so that they could do a lot of things. But in, in, in other ways, it I believe it hurt the game because now what's the point of doing an activity that some of these designers spend hours or years work of designing? Um, for example, Wrath of the Machine, an awesome raid, but what's the point of doing the Wrath of the Machine raid? If you can be uh, light level 400 without even stepping foot inside of it. Yeah, nowadays when um, I go onto the like Destiny Facebook groups that are all over, um, there's a lot of people who post their max light pictures because it's just something people have always done. And instead of like posting their picture and being like, yeah, like took me 200 hours and two, like 35 raid completions, but I got it done. Max light. Now I see stuff like, 400 light didn't touch a raid smiley face and it's like that's i don't know to me that's not something you should be proud of or really want to have because i understand that you might not have the means to raid or 
want to raid as much. But if that's the case, I don't think you should have the same rewards as the people who are doing the actual in-game content. Yeah, the raid's supposed to be the crown jewel for PvE and Destiny. Um, Again, I understand that some players just may not have the time to put into completing the raid, but in order to reach max light, you should have to do like the true end game content. But I think what Destiny's doing here is uh, they're again, they're going back to uh, the whole experience and trying to make it complete for everyone in the game, especially since Destiny one's on its way out and just give everyone that chance to get max light. I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that it's not going to be the case for destiny Two. I really hope not. And this is not a knock against people who aren't able to raid. I just feel that there there is something about being max light and showing off that you have completed these activities. And while in a certain way having the ornamentation kind of does that, it's not the same thing as, you know, having gone through that. For example, year one, if you saw somebody running around and they were light level 30, they did the Vault of Glass raid. And I'm talking about They did it a lot. They did it a lot. They had to get, you know, all the pieces of armor that back when armor was the only thing that got you light. And it, it was an accomplishment to be light level 30. Now, it's cool to be 400, but it, it doesn't show anything that you've done in the game. You may have done hundreds of strikes. Um, you may have done, uh, you may have gotten a whole bunch of exotic engrams. And and that's not not that that's bad. It's just, what's the point of being four hundred if you're not going to use that light in the activities that require it? Yeah, I mean, I stand but, by what I've said. I liked it better in year one when it was um, lower light levels, so it was more of a a step to be thirty versus twenty nine. And when being max light level was more of an exclusive thing because. If they really want this game to be an MMORPG style game with this big in-game content style of development, then they need to make it so in-game means something. And right now, all of year two, or no, this was year year three and year two, all of 2016, um, we've just seen that push away from Max Light meaning something and into the everybody gets a trophy style. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, this is not a knock against people who aren't able to raid. We just believe that there's there has to be something special with regards to 400. And there has to be a reason why you want to be 400. That You have to be able to use this light in activities that require it. And right now, strikes, they're, they're cool. But if you go in and you're 400 and all the enemies are 350, 360, it's kind of overkill. So... Oh, the one one more thing I want to mention about the April update before we move on to the next part of 2016 was the April update is what introduced Chroma, which I thought was a big step because that paved the path for ornaments and um, stuff on armor and weapons, which I think was a great step for Bungie. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like the Chroma, and it's a shame that they didn't really outside of SRL right now, they didn't take the extra step with Chroma because I think it's a fun little thing to put on your armor pieces. 
Um, I hope that they in the future use more stuff or have more stuff to use chroma for because I, I liked putting different colors on my armor pieces. That's just me. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the chroma, but I do like the skin. Screw you. Okay. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> the weapon skins are awesome, though. I love the uh, the Black Ops Mita. That's my baby. Oh, I want the Black Mita. Oh, dude, I oh. got I got the uh, Taken Black Spindle the other day. Mm. That thing's pretty baller that. looking. Yeah, I, I have that. I, I got the ornament as a drop in from one of the uh, Festival of the... Not Festival of the Lost. What is it called? The Dawning? Yeah, the Dawning packages. And I immediately put it on my Black Spindle. I was like, oh. Yeah, that, that it's one... It's just a shame that I'm never going to use it, though. Yeah. I mean, I still use it in PvE. I I, I like Black Spindle. It's, it's a fun gun to use, in my opinion. But, um... That one's awesome. I really like the thorn one. It's the one I have is the pink with the lime green glowing. That one's really cool. And I really want, I know everybody really likes the white last word and not the blue one, but the blue one to me looks like blue tiger from Call of Duty 4. So I want that just to relive my Call of Duty glory days in Destiny. Nerd. Anyway, (laughs) after the April update, there was nothing going on until Rise of Iron, which ended up being in September. So you had a good five months of just sweating it out. I think it's important to mention that for the beginning of 2016, we still thought that Destiny 2 was going to be released in 2016. This is true. And then by the April update, that was when the doubt started to creep in and rumors started to fly about it getting pushed back and all this stuff with Activision and them not knowing the future of the game. And there's some big doubts. And then it was kind of, will it get um, a nothing until it gets released? And maybe it will be released in spring. or and, and we didn't really know anything until E3. Well, remember, there, there were those, um, there was that one leak of the poster. Yes. And then, um, well, that was that was in what the two weeks leading up to E three. They just couldn't keep anything quiet. No, I think that was way before that. I want to say that that was in March. Was it March or April? I have to go back. I just I don't remember. think it was. I don't think it was that early. Maybe it, May. It was. It Maybe was May. It was but... really early because I don't um, think it I was before remember. the April update. I have to check, but I just remember, um. When it it may have been, you know what? It may have been June, but anyway, or no, I, I have to look it up. It have, <laughs> you know what? You're right. It may have been May, but anyway, um, yeah, it's just that there was nothing going on. Um, people were trying to figure out what to do with regards to this game. Uh, everything was at a standstill and challenge of elders while cool was kind of like, eh, so we finally got news. Uh, we started playing Rise of Iron in September, and we quickly realized that the game was kind of short. <laughs> like, really, really short. Yeah, and there was, it, it, there's always that worry when they released it. Sorry to cut you off, but there's always that worry when they said it was not quite taking King's style 
or size because we knew at this point that this was essentially going to have to last us a year. So hearing that was a scary moment. I think the the doubt started creeping in when they revealed the price point. The second they said $30, that's when everybody was like, because that's, that's usually indicative of the size, the, the amount that you have to pay for the game. Um, I mean, Taken King, when it came out, was 40 and that was a substantial update. And then to only charge 30 was just like, mm, this is not good. Yeah, and I think um, that $30 was including these events that we're getting now, like the dawning and such. I think they took that into account with that 30 bucks, not just the Rise of Iron itself, like the, the base Rise of Iron. Well, while we're talking oh. about price i think we could also mention a big thing that's happened in 2016 and i started with the april update i believe or maybe it was before that was eververse was it did that start before the april update uh that started in um the the, the oh Dawn, not festival Dawn. of the lost right yeah correct yeah because that has eververse has changed immensely throughout 2016 because that led up to you know festival of the cost the second time around in fact, let's go ahead and talk about Festival of the Cost. Um, la- the year before we had Festival of the Lost, it was a cool little event. Um, there were small things to do. It, it, it didn't, and yes, you could buy items, but it didn't feel like you had to. Whereas in this Festival of the Lost, it felt like you had to purchase stuff for a chance to get new items from the festival and and it just it, it felt the actual event itself was cool but the but the rewards were not there and i was lucky enough that i opened up the festival of the lost item whatever it was and i got the sparrow i got the tiger wolf mask and i got uh one of the ghosts pretty quickly and I know there's people that never got any of the one one of those three items, so I was fortunate enough. Uh, David, I don't know what you were able to get. I was able to get even participate. I got the ghost ghost, but that was it. I didn't get anything else. Yeah, I I got the ghost ghost and the sparrow. Side note to those people that got those items, uh, you can always get a new ghost ghost. And a new um, deviled ghost from the kiosk, the holiday kiosk. That way you can re-roll those uh, stats on it. That's a cool little tip. Um, side note. Yeah, but side side note. I think they should bring back the broom. Oh my god! Leave the broom alone. Maybe next it's year. It's not. It's not gonna happen. Exotic broom. Uh, so. That was the last real event that we got before the dawning. And then we, with the dawning today that, that we have right now, it's indicative of Bungie learning of what people want with events. Uh, we respect them needing to charge for certain things, but when it becomes too much, like the Festival of the, the Costs, and people get upset... Like that—that th- that should never have happened. And the, the Bungie should have realized, okay, 
if people are given options to buy certain things, they will go ahead and buy them. And this is kind of the happy medium between what we had with festival loss and what the customer wants. And I, I, I don't hear any complaints or that many complaints at all with regards to Eververse on this event. No, I think I think because they did the presence and there's ample ways for you to get everything, no one's complaining like they were with um, Festival of the Lost because they gave us, they listened, they gave us ways in game to get everything and have multiple chances to get stuff, which is awesome and I'm glad they listened. Absolutely. So this is what I want Bungie to do more of, events like these. These feel... Even though it's not a huge change to the game, it still feels huge. Like, this is an event that feels... It feels like an event. Right. There are a lot of changes that happen to this event that are quality of life improvements. The green engram um, situation, which I'm kind of upset of because you don't get planetary materials from them, but that's beside the point. Um, Just the, the, the smart little ways that... that, that the, that the game approaches things. It's, it's a really, really cool event. And I really like the quality of life improvements. It's just a shame that there's really not much to, to enjoy these quality of life updates with, with regards to the game. The raid is still fun. Wrath of the machine is one of my favorite raids in the game. It's, it's up there. I, I would almost say it's, it is my favorite raid of the game. I just like the way it looks, the way it feels, the bosses feel, they feel epic. Um, strike scoring gets a thumbs up. Strike scoring is fun. Um, they made improvements or they changes to strikes. I still think that they made these strikes a little too easy, but that's just me. I know people who do, who prefer shorter strikes. They want to get them over and done with. I'm of the type where... I want a strike to be a a huge mission. I it should be kind of like the dungeons from other MMOs. They should they a regular dungeon isn't just you go through it and you're done in 5 minutes. No, like it takes 15, 20 minutes and you're fighting boss after boss and they're epic. It's almost like a mini raid in in, in these MMOs. Yeah, and this is kind of changing the topic, but something we did forget about that was a big part of 2016 is the introduction of private matches for PvP. This is true. Um, and and that is interesting that you bring that up because while there are people that do use them, it's not as big a thing as, as I guess Bungie would have hoped. And what I mean by that is... Um, you mean maybe there's a reason we forgot about them? I very uh, to be honest, I haven't done a private match since that week before. The week when we had them to yeah. to mess around with, yeah. I haven't really had the the need or desire to really jump in them. It's fun for what it is, but it maybe came a little too late. I think. I think. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no! After you, sir. No, I, I finished my oh, thought. Okay. No, I, what I was going to say was, um, I think the thing with private matches was that came after the April update was the big push for private matches. Whenever I was like, oh, give us private matches, give us private matches. We need this. We're, we're bored. 
And on one hand, like they did, and they did them um, in a in a good way. Like every, obviously, people want more. They want to be able to really customize the matches, but they did them in a good way for the time and to put them out. And they they feel good when you're in them. They put ghosts on all these maps, which is cool. Um, and they gave people what they wanted. So like thumbs up to Bungie there. And I think part of it is the community that was asking for them is more the PvP community and the people who are very, very into this game. And at the time they were asking for them majorly, uh, the tournaments were getting a bump. And now tournaments perform way better because of private matches. And at that time, because there was such a lull, what people were play- paying attention to the most was PvP. So in this lull, yeah, we're, we're obviously going to be playing private matches and playing all this PvP and using the private matches. So th- for the lulls, the private matches are awesome. Maybe the reason we have forgotten about them is because we really haven't had that much of a lull. Like, yes, um, we've said that this game is kind of at a standstill and that there isn't new content really being released besides these live updates. But the the way they've kind of released these events have kind of kept us entertained enough that we haven't really needed to focus a ton on private matches. But overall, I still feel private matches were a great thing to add to the game. And they've really expanded the competitive PvP community and kept it so that those people who set up stream events like the streamer racing league for sparrows and stuff even though for that one you could have just done it with six people going into a a regular match but um setting up the big um farcog tournaments and stuff like these have really been quality life improvements because of um private matches and overall they help the game move forward in certain aspects so to me, it's a big thumbs up for those in 2016. So, yeah, with regards to private match, you know what the problem is for me? Um, there's just not enough customization with regards to the private mass- matches. They're fun for what they are, um, but there's too few options. And I don't know, for me, when I'm setting up something, I kind of want different things, not just. The same thing, so, and and in addition to that, the 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 way that the loot drops, it doesn't make sense that I could create create a match that would last twice as long as a regular crucible match, but I'm only gonna get blue items. Like, if I'm Bungie and I'm looking at this, I'm like, okay, set it so that if you want regular crucible loot levels uh drops. This is the minimum that you have to have with regards to, I don't know, points or time or whatever. If it fits, uh, if it's below that, then you're only going to get regular blue drops. I mean, I think part of that is they were trying to avoid the boosting style where they would just people would just go in and have them like one person just shoot their friend really over and over. So the game would end. I mean, I am of the opinion that. There should be no drops, even blue drops from private matches, but that's just my opinion. It it, it kind of takes away though the, the desire to want to do that, um, those private matches, because I'm spending all this time doing private matches and I'm not going to get any rewards at all. I mean, I think I, I I get I get what you mean. I completely understand it. I just it just seems like sometimes. Bungie gives us all this loot for doing the smallest of things. 
and yet we do something that might take double the length and they're not giving us anything. I know, but it's, it's, to me, it's just if if you're choosing to play a private match, it's because you want to play with your friends. You have a certain goal in mind. You want to do a PvP scrimmage. You want to explore a map. It's not because you're looking for rewards. So I don't think that rewards should be coming from these private matches because if you're using private matches the right way, you're either doing something super competitive where you need to um, structure matchmaking or you're doing something for fun. And mm-hmm. when you're looking at those aspects, rewards, I feel, don't really matter. It's essentially like, to me, it's like going into patrol with Hoodless on and playing hide and seek. Like, would you expect rewards from that? Maybe. Find anyway. your friend, get an engram. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I just wanted to take a quick look back at 2016. Um... It's an ish, interesting year with regards to this game. Um, year one, we had back to back to back. Uh, you got the game, then two DLCs. Then you had uh, Taken King, which started off with a bang, slowly ended with a whimper. And then you have Rise of Iron, which starts off with a small eh. And then it, it just... I've seen a lot more people move away from this game with Rise of Iron than at any other point in the game. And You're hearing it's the, weird. I'll wait for Destiny 2 a lot more. Right. Um, I, I know people who never bought Rise of Iron. They're like, I'll just wait for Destiny 2. Which is weird because this game actually sold a lot. The, 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 it had higher numbers than Taken King. But it just seems like after the one month, people moved on and they had other things to do. Um, it was a tough, it's a tough year for for Bungie with regards to Rise of Iron. You had massive releases with Battlefield 1. You had uh, Call of Duty. Uh, you also had Titanfall. There's other games, Dishonored 2. Um, yes, a lot of these games didn't sell the blockbuster numbers that they were expected to. No Man's Sky. Still, Wait, what? There were people that did use No Man's Sky as an escape from Destiny. It was actually interesting. Um, there's a lot of great games that came out this year. And it was tough to go back and say, you know what? I'm going to go play Destiny. Why would I do that when I have all these other games that I haven't played? So it's an interesting year. Um with regards to the game. And I'm, in, I'm really excited to see what Destiny 2 brings. I, I'm, I'm really hoping that it, it gets me to feeling like I did back in year one. Where I logged in every single day. It felt like 365 days. Or six I hours. At, at least six, five, six hours. Or even at least one hour. Like I, I would spend hours doing just the most mundane things. Going out and uh, into the Cosmodrome, picking up spin metal, just because I liked being in that game. It was, I, I know it sounds weird, but there are days where I would just go out farming planetary materials, and I enjoyed that. It was kind of like a little escape. Um, I was on Mars collecting, going through that little loop and just collecting, uh, what is it, relic iron from the chests. Fighting Cabal, doing uh, public events, 
it was fun for what it was. And I don't have that urge to do the same thing now. It's a shame. Uh, I really, really enjoyed my time with Destiny. And I feel like it's it's not there anymore. So here's crossing my fingers, hoping that Destiny 2 becomes that big experience that we all want. And yeah. Um, any final thoughts you guys want to bring up with regards to 2016? Uh, no, not really. I think we covered it all for 2016. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for 2017. Indeed. All right, David, why don't you go ahead and wrap this bad boy up? Well, we would like to thank you all for listening to In Orbit, let you know we are available on a ton of platforms. So please make sure you are spreading the word. Uh, the best way to do this is to share In Orbit with others. You can check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Overcast for iOS, Google Play Music, Stitcher Smart Radio, Player.fm, Pocket Cast, and we also have an RSS feed. The links to all of these are available right on Mash Those Buttons website at www.mashthosebuttons.com. Make sure to stay tuned after this show to hear what's coming this week on Mash Those Buttons. Make sure to check out the other shows on Mash Those Buttons Network at mashthosebuttons.com slash shows to see all of our pod- podcasts. And for any questions regarding scheduling, check masterbuttons.com slash schedule for all scheduling details. So make sure to check us out on twitter.com slash MTB site, facebook.com slash buttons, youtube.com slash buttons. David, where can people find you at? Ah, you can find me as always on Twitter at DS underscore Bolt and streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash DS Bolt, no spaces, no underscores. And Jordan, where can people find you at? You can find me streaming on Twitch at IMTBot and on Twitter at IM underscore TBot. And as always, you can find me on all the different social network sites and gaming screen names at GoToNRG. Make sure to contact our show with any questions at InOrbitPodcast at gmail.com. And one quick thing, Jorge. Merry Christmas to everybody and happy holidays because it's Christmas Eve right now when we're recording. Oh, yeah. Hooray. Same to you guys. Yay. <laughs> My prior events are not a memory. It is momentum. It advances, leads, and controls, points and directs, shapes and forms. I may not enjoy what lies in front of me, but as in any story, the past needs resolution. We are the authors, the finishers of our fate. What is in my past is my prologue, and what is in my future is my destiny. And on behalf of the entire In Orbit team, David, Jordan, Jared, and myself, we thank you for listening to our show, and as always, we'll see you on the next mission. Happiest of holidays! Your destiny calls. Thank you for choosing a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Here's what's coming up this week on Mash Those Buttons. On Monday, December 26th, Jorge and David transmit in orbit. This week looking back at 2016 and taking a look at the Streamer Racing League. On Tuesday, December 27th, Nick, Ray, Jeremy, and Eric 
bring you the latest in World of Warcraft and WoW talk. This week, talking 2016 highlights and their wishes for 2017. On Wednesday, December 28th, Jarrett, Mikey, and Bond bring you the latest in Overwatch and its community on Watchpoint Radio. This week, talking about the latest developer update, Blizzard Christmas gifts, and what to look forward to in 2017. On Friday, December 30th, Mike, Rob, and Luke bring you the latest in the division on SitRip Radio. This week, looking back at 2016 and talking about the future. To find more information on all of our shows, go to mashthosebuttons.com slash shows. And to see our full podcast schedule, visit mashthosebuttons.com slash schedule.